Welcome to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, Rent to Retires, it's Adam Schrader here with another episode of our podcast for you. And we are joined today by Chris Reed. He is a life insurance expert. And today we're going to talk a little bit about a real estate investment technique that people have heard of, most likely. It's getting more common, but it's not exactly the usual route that you take to get into investment properties. So, Chris, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Absolutely. So let's get started. The whole life insurance investing, we're going to get a little bit more into it now, but can you tell us what whole life insurance actually is? Most people probably know, but I don't want to skip over the basics and leave anybody behind. So kind of what is whole life insurance and how does it differ from what most people consider life insurance? Perfect. Yeah. So whole life insurance is kind of the generic term that everybody uses when they refer to uh, any type of cash value life insurance. So generally I have my clients, clients conceptualize it. Um, life insurance people, the first thing you think of is you gotta die, right? So <laughs> only your wife, right, is really gonna have anything to do with that money once you're gone or your husband or whoever you leave behind, your beneficiary. So that's the life insurance portion. So people conceptualize that and they go, hey, wait a minute, I, what are we doing? Why am I gonna put this much money into a life insurance contract? when I could just buy some cheap term life insurance. And if I die, my wife or my husband or whoever's going to get that money. And that's hundred percent valid. I, I think first and foremost, when you're thinking about life insurance, and I tell this to everybody that I get on um, one of these meetings with is if you're not protecting everything else you're doing, if you're not protecting all the real estate assets you're doing, if you're not protecting your 401k and the investing and you're buying Bitcoin and you're doing all this other stuff, to spend time with your family and build a future and build a financial portfolio. If you're not protecting it with like $30 a month worth of term life insurance, we don't need to have any more of the more eccentric, like deeper conversations, because that's from a risk standpoint, that's just kind of unacceptable, right? To leave your family exposed like that. So, so people understand that life insurance portion, but then they say, Hey, wait a minute. Um, Cash value life insurance. Okay, what is that? Well, that's whole life. Well, whole life is actually an umbrella term. That's like saying there's a bunch of cars on the road. Well, that's true. There are a bunch of cars on the road, but there's like a bunch of Pintos and a bunch of Hondas and a bunch of Ferraris, right? So then you kind of start to get down in the weeds a little bit. And then everybody's got a buddy from college who sold them this old whole life policy. And then now they're out doing something else, right? With their MBA, they've moved on. And so everyone just kind of goes, well, whole life. So it, to really make it as simple as possible. If you think of the word life insurance as yes, it's a death benefit, but if you also just take it and replace it with the word Roth, like as in Roth 401k versus traditional 401k or Roth IRA versus traditional IRA, as soon as you have conceptualized that, it really starts to stick that a cash value life policy is a phenomenal way to grow tax-free money Right. So if you think Roth, like, hey, my employer paid me $100,000, I put $10,000 in my 401k, you're not going to be taxed on that $10,000 this year. You're going to kick that can down the road, but you're going to pay it later. A Roth is where if they pay you $100,000, you get taxed on all $100,000, but now you're allowed to put that money away after tax. Right. So just your checking account money, like your grocery store money, you put that into a life insurance contract. 
And now we can actually grow that money and it's connected to the stock market tax-free. So it's easiest just to think about it as life insurance is gonna pay if I die. It's also a nice tax shelter. Everything else is literally just an investment account. It's just kind of, it just differs in how it functions than kind of the rest of everybody, than your E-Trade account or your Bitcoin account. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so life insurance equals Bitcoin, gotcha. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, <laughs> that's just right there. And podcast over. Yeah. So. <laughs> When it comes to, I mean, you mentioned people think of whole life and life insurance in general as when you die, but then how can you, well, let me ask you this way. Are all whole life insurance policies the same? Like what we're going to get into today is using your whole life insurance to invest in assets such as real estate. Are all whole life insurance policies set up to do that? No. Now. There's an entire industry of people out there who spend millions of dollars on marketing convincing you that you can do that. (laughs) (laughs) I have a book of over 1500 clients. Um, And to be clear, they're not all insurance clients, right? Like, so I started doing life insurance in 2014 and then I just went to the top of my company, like I said, because either I'm okay at this job or like I said, my competition is a little bit out to lunch. Um, but I also am a financial planner running registered investment advisory firm. And I've also worked with like Zach and rent retirement on real estate. Like if people ask me, which one's the best one to do, honestly, real estate blows my hair back for whatever that is. But, <laughs> like, but so life insurance really is a, from a, from a conceptual standpoint, it's just part of an overall plan. Right. And it's usually the part that everybody's missing. Most people get in their company's 401ks, then they buy a house and they're like, Oh, this is a good deal. Look at this appreciation. So then maybe go buy a duplex or something. And that's phenomenal. And I love cash flow and I love the freedom that that brings. Um, but a lot of people just don't have what the, the life insurance can bring in their portfolio. So then, then just to your question, um, they're not all the same. They, that again, that goes back to the Pinto, Honda, Ferrari. If you're going to put a thousand dollars a month into a vehicle or $50,000 a year, a hundred thousand dollars a year, I don't care what you're going to put into you. You have to make sure it's into the right vehicle because the difference is, not only between an individual products, whole life, variable whole life, indexed whole life, universal life, variable universal life, index universal life, straight universal life, there's participating whole life, there's non-participating life. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> not only are there those products out there, you have to get the right one, right? And it's not the one that your captive agent, that person who only works for one company is cramming down your throat and they're showing you all their financial strength and security, anything to talk about, something other than the best policy for you, right? So it's not the one you get from those companies or those agents. It's an independently brokered policy using the best chassis, meaning the best product with the best company, that's level two, is because you can put $100,000 a year for five years in the company A or company B, and 10 years later, one might have $1.3 million, one might have $700,000. And there's mechanics that go into that. And so that's where I really get into each individual company, pull those apart, figure out the lowest cost, the best rate of return that you're going to get. Right. So right product, right company. And then it has to be funded the right way because of the way the internal charges and fees work. If it's not funded correctly, you could just be setting yourself up for like, instead of a middling, you can either have like a really middling policy that kind of works, kind of doesn't, or like a really phenomenal policy that complements your overall financial plan. 
Yeah, so let's go into the funding it. Let's say I'm a person who, you know, I'm 50 years old, make $100,000 a year. You know, I'm looking to fund, looking to get started. So I don't have any, maybe I have a term life insurance policy, but I don't have any whole life. When it comes to actually funding it, you have to set a limit, like a, a minimum that you're going to put in every year, right? Well, there's act. So um, this is where you get into the tax code and um, section 7702 and Tamra and Tefra and guideline annual single premiums and all these other kind of stuff. Um, if I, if I click this, can I share my screen a little bit and kind of show you how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So can you can see my blank whiteboard here? Yep. So, yeah. So first of all, just a real quick sidebar there. If you have term life insurance, you can always convert to, I'm just going to call it whole life because that's what everybody calls it. So I'm just going to circle around this drain here real quick. It is super important to have the correct term life insurance, because if you have the, a term life insurance with a company that's not very good at whole life insurance, <laughs> you're going to convert that over to their whole life insurance. And it's also not going to be very good. So what I always want first and foremost is to take you away from these expensive, not very good life insurance companies that aren't really good at term or whole life. Even if you end up just with the best term life insurance for now, you can always convert it later to that Mr. Moneybags awesome whole life insurance later, right? Now we're okay, excited. So before you go any farther then, before yep. you go any farther, how do you know if your term life insurance company is good? <laughs> you either become a gigantic insurance nerd like me and vet these companies and pull their contracts apart down to the absolute like the nuts and bolts of both their term and their whole life insurance, or you talk to me and I will just tell you, right? Because <laughs> it doesn't make me super fun at parties, but it does help my clients a whole bunch that I just keep track of all the, all the very best companies and the ones that are the best float to the top of the ones where I broker deals and the ones that are not very good. I just I don't even bother getting contracted with them. Okay. All right. So, and the good, but just because they're a good term life insurance company doesn't necessarily make them a good whole life insurance company. Correct. Yeah. So there's, um, for example, and I'm not going to use company names because a regulator, I'm sure at some point. <laughs> and, and I'm sure they just love it. <laughs> oh my God. So, um, so there was a, there's a company out, let me put it this way. There's a company out there that will give chewing tobacco users. So not smokers, not vapors, chewing tobacco users. They will give them non nicotine ratings. So that's phenomenal. The term life insurance can be $300 a month or $100 a month, just depending on the company you choose, because everybody else gives those chewing tobacco users nicotine ratings. Well, so you could maybe be with that particular company, A, because you're a chewer and your agent was a good agent. They put you there because you wanted low cost term insurance. But if now you decide you want to put $50,000 a year into a life insurance contract to start building cash value, and you go with that exact same company, that you, that's one of those subpar cash value policies. It's not going to be very good for you in the long run. So that's why that's why just knowing strategically where the life insurance is going to fit into your current plans. Maybe that's term life insurance, and into your future plans. Maybe that's some nice big esoteric policy. Um, that's just where that comes in and is important. Okay, and so let's. Uh, so like I was saying, it, when it comes to how much to fund. Yeah. How do you go about right. starting yeah. that, that thought process? Let's go yeah. back to let's 
go back to that. You're experiencing what everyone else who's scheduled an appointment with me is experiencing, which is where you ask me a simple short question and then I drift <laughs> off into the tax code and you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> so, so what the IRS looks at is basically it's a three-prong test. There's the death benefit. So because it's a tax shelter, Congress basically put it used to just be abused. It was dumb. People would put a million dollars into a $5,000 life insurance policy to take it back out tax-free. That's dumb. We all know it's a game. It's a tax shelter. So now we have to be able to go to the IRS and Congress and say, look, what they did was they put goalposts on the, the amount of money, how much money you have to have a certain amount of death benefit. So there's a relationship between these two things, how much money you have into the certain amount of death benefit, but there's also a time test. So there's a relationship between those two things. And then there's a relationship between the amount of time that you fund in and how much life insurance is needed. So essentially what I do with my clients is as long as I know two of these three things, we can create a plan that is going to maximize the amount of cash you can grow over time. So some people come to me and I have an example already that, and this is a guy I talked to last week, good dude. He's been crushing it with rent to retirement and making a ton of money and just doing real estate. And he said, Hey man, I like that plan. I think I can do about hundred grand a year. And you know what? I want to pay it in for five years. And I said, okay, I spun the whiz wheel and the insurance software spit out a death benefit of something like 750,000. Okay, cool. We can do it that way. Or if you're not in that position, what, um, what a lot of folks do is if we X those things out, a lot of people, you go through the qualification process, you get a preferred no tobacco rating, you have because you always have to qualify for this. The insurance company, all they care about is the death benefit. They care if you die, how much do I, the insurance company, have to pay? Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what they care about. Yeah. So they Almost said, like their business uh, or something. <laughs> That's almost nothing they take a profit margin. Exactly. So instead of 100,000 for five years, a lot of people, like I started my own policy when I was 35 years old. I was making 80 grand a year and I started at $1,000 a month. And I said, you know what? I want to pay that for life. Okay, well, now I know two of the three things. The insurance company spit out that death benefit for me and my wife of around a million and $80,000, right? So a million and eighty thousand dollars is a completely insane amount of life insurance to have, but it was the amount required for us to maintain the tax-free treatment of the money growth inside that policy. Okay, so all you so a thousand dollars a month at thirty-five, but what happens if you know, you lose a job? Thousand dollars becomes too much. Do you lose all of your money then? Very, very, very good question. No, all the, if it's done, and again, this gets all the way back to the product. You have to, because different products have different guidelines. So the best products are flexible premium. So I started at a thousand a month. I hundred I did not like paying that much when I was 35, making 80 grand a year. I had just come from being a police officer, steady pay, steady paycheck, right? Every two weeks. And all of a sudden I'm out there just crushing life insurance and making friends and clients and I didn't like it. it. Didn't make me happy to see that money go out the window, but I knew that it was going towards one of these plans. So it's a flexible premium. The short answer is you can reel it back. You can push it up more later. 
because of that triangle that's there, if you come into a windfall and inheritance or somebody doubles your um, paycheck and you, and you just go, look, I just want to maximum fund this thing to whatever the IRS 11 stuff in there. Like my contract, I could do a thousand a month for four years and then I can write a check for 80 grand if I want to finish that funding cycle. And then I, and then I'm done paying premiums for like 10 years. So it's probably all starting to sound a little Greek, <laughs> but bottom line is it's flexible. You can lower it, you can raise it. It just has to be designed right. When you have to work with somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. So when you talk about writing that, that big check, is there a limit to how much you can put in? Like, let's say, you know, let's say you do come into a windfall and you want to stash it away. Does your plan, the way it's set up, then put a cap on what you can put in? Yeah. So you can't, you can't just come in in day one and put 500 grand in. Right. Right. Because if we put 500,000 down in that little number on my triangle and we put it in one year, the death benefit's going to be so high that it's going to because it's going to cause an imbalance in the internal charges and fees of the policy and it wouldn't work for you it wouldn't accumulate the kind of now i can create a modified endowment contract where we can do that which is a phenomenal solution for older folks looking to stash away non-qualified money old people who are sitting on cash no, old i'm old i've had two back surgeries <laughs> <laughs> I, I get 10 years free so technically i'm 62. Um, so older folks who are sitting on cash because they don't want the stock market to turn that, that nest egg into nothing. Well, we can literally write that check to an insurance company on day one. It's going to grow with the stock market. It's never going to go down with the stock market. And it comes with a whole bunch of like long-term care benefits and stuff on it. So it's, that's a different planning subject that maybe we can get off into at some point. Um, but yeah, you, you can't just really do that if you're trying to do it for what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into one thing you said there was you said it's going to go up with the stock market, but it's never going to go down with the stock market. That sounds just listening to it. That's kind of the, the red alert going off of scam. If someone tells you it'll never go down with the stock market, can Fast. you explain that one? Sure can. And what I love about rent to retirement and working with you guys is so many of the people that I talk to, I love it because everybody thinks outside the box. So people know that the only way to get to true wealth is not just putting that money into that 401k. So a lot of people who come to me have done options trading. Um, so yes, that sounds very Bernie Madoff-esque, 100%. I would not come on something that's being recorded and broadcast. And, and I don't wanna go to the federal pen and make big rocks into little rocks, right? I would not do well in prison. It's just not for me. So I 100% get that out of the front. Um, when we're talking about, and this is actually a good example of the different types of life insurance. Um, if you look at this blue line, that's things like dividends, fixed securities, you know, CDs, bonds, those kind of things. It's also a good allegory for like a whole life policy where that big insurance company is, what they do is they declare at the beginning of every year, what dividend they're going to pay for their policyholders. Well, guess what? For all of you listening to my voice who have whole life insurance with those big East coast companies, if they have to declare a rate of return for you, that takes it out of their pocket. So what do you think they're gonna declare? They're gonna declare a nice, they wanna stay competitive, they're working with the current market conditions, interest rates are super low. So dividend paying a whole life is kind of like this one. This is kind of what your cash is gonna do here, this blue line. Then if we wanna get a little technical, there's variable. Anytime you hear the word variable, whether it's in life insurance or an annuity, you're getting the stock market. 
So if you want the stock market, open an E-Trade account and buy the S&P 500 or go open a Bitcoin account and just knock yourself out, right? <laughs> because, because some years it's going to be phenomenal. Like you can throw .com at the end of any business in 1998 and it's going to like triple in value in two years. And it can also be terrible. And then we can start pumping mortgage-backed securities into the market and the stock market can be awesome. And then it can also be terrible. So anytime you hear the word variable, just know that you're gonna get the ups and downs of the market generally. So now when I'm saying there are vehicles out there that go up with the stock market, you probably typically on a year to year basis during a good market aren't probably gonna make as much as the stock market does. That's just a fact. And if someone's hiding that from you, they're playing to hide the ball and that's not a person you wanna work with. So, in an overall financial plan, uh, indexed policy, whether that's an indexed universal life or an indexed annuity, they're gonna go up with the stock market. You're gonna lock in your principal and interest every time that interest credits to your account. So they literally log into your account, they credit you your interest for the year and they log back out. And that thing is not gonna move for a year. This is not the sexiest thing in your financial portfolio, but it is the coolest thing when the stock market starts to tank because here at the top of the dot-com bubble, that went down precipitously. Yeah. yeah. So the dot-com bubble, for those listening on the podcast, for the dot-com bubble, you lost about, what is that, $60,000 in your... Uh, yeah, almost, like I think it was like 40% from the top to the bottom in the NASDAQ. And you plummeted from 125 no, from to $70 higher. Yeah, from one third. Yeah, from one third. This is the S and P five hundred. The Nasdaq was worse, but even the S and P five hundred went from one, basically one forty down to eighty. Yeah, as opposed to the life insurance policy that went from one twenty five with eighty dollars to one twenty five with one hundred and fifty five. Uh, so we're, we would actually, yeah, exactly over that two year period. Yes, now because I'm a technical weirdo about this, this is actually fixed index annuity, so there's no cost of insurance coming out. But the, but the concept still remains. If this was a life insurance contract, it would have gone from 125 probably to 124 because they would have pulled out cost of insurance. But the main, the main point is that, that you don't lose to the stock market. You don't actually lose any money when the stock market goes down. Okay. Now, so, so when they declare their dividends at the beginning of the year, is that, you know, they come out and they usually, what are their, what is their average usually? Um, so it's really, it's really, um, it's interest rate dependent. It, it's basically dependent on two things. Like, so whole life company, all insurance companies generally, they invest a ton in T-bills, bonds, corporate grade bonds, um, one, two year, three year uh, treasury bills, that kind of thing. So those are all really low right now. So that's part of the reason why you're going to get lower dividends in whole life right now. Um, the other thing is market competition. So if New York Life comes out with a five and a half percent dividend, well, they want their agents to be able to tell you that New York Life is the cat's meow, right? Mm -hmm. So, so then Northwest Mutual is going to run and they're going to turn their dividends up to five point seven, and oh, oh, now we're winning that game, right? So then it kind of goes, it waxes and wanes. Then they have profitability margins, mortality, and expense, all that kind of stuff that plays into it. Um, but just generally, I the returns that I have seen, I have a company um, that return had two indexes do 10 and 18% last year. So but I, I just see much more success out, out of index links policies. 
Yeah. Okay. So what, one thing that uh, questions that I've been asked whenever I've talked to people about the whole life, when I've talked to clients about it, is they ask me, okay, I put in my money. You say I can use it for real estate and maybe we'll kind of wrap up with yep. this for today. How long before I can actually use it to buy real estate? Great, great question. And here's where we really have to just understand that as an overall part of your overall plan, the insurance, because it's going to go up, it's never going to go down. And that money coming out tax-free for anybody hearing my voice who's under 50 years old, if you do not look at the national debt, and if you do not look at that and then look at where we have been in this country from a historical standpoint with taxes, in the 1950s, the top marginal tax bracket was 90%. So go ahead and go out and build this gigantic portfolio with all this money that you're going to pass on to your kids. And you know, it, it, every dime of that is going to be subject to some sort of congressional taxation. They're, they're, I mean, they're already trying to change the nature of unearned passive income, real estate income, capital gains. I mean, we've seen that, right? So a tax, the tax advantage of a life insurance contract as it grows is kind of, for me, the first and foremost thing it does is help you create a bucket of money that cannot be taxed later. Um, will they change it? Maybe it's probably going to be the last thing they ever change. If you think everyone in Congress is just investing in their Roth IRA, no, <laughs> people, that's not what's happening. Um, I also say that because, like I said, there are marketing schemes out there that will tell you, oh, well, you can pay $50,000 in year one and then turn around and take that money back out. Well, just do the math in your head. There's no company that's staying profitable by allowing that to happen. I've seen it blow up a million times and it's just, it's unethical and I don't, I don't like it. It's bad for the industry and it's bad for our clients. You're here, Adam, and I am too, to help people. And it just sucks to see people throw money at something that's not going to work for them. Um, but okay, now there's, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so here's a good example policy. This is kind of what I talked to this guy last week about. So 42 year old, um, I think he's got about 600 grand of passive income coming in a year off his real estate. So he said, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a hundred grand and hike it at one of those policies. Cause it sounds like a good deal. So here's the premium, right? So what I showed him was a hundred thousand a year for five years. And then after that, never again, no more premiums. So if you come over here. And, this is, and for the people listening, he's in his early 40s. He's in his early 40s. Yes. And that's one of the things that I tell everybody. If you are older, it may not have the time to work for you, but there's still other solutions and there's other ways we can skin this cat. But for, for younger people, this is a phenomenal solution because this, this surrender value here, this is tax free. And that's really what we're trying to do is, is squirrel this money away to try and keep it from getting split with the IRS later on in life. So what does surrender value mean? So in universal life, there's a difference between your account value and your surrender value. Typically for the first 10 years of the policy. What that means is this is the actual money you've put in minus cost of insurance plus interest. Now, quick off ramp. I actually own a policy with this company that we're looking at right here. My policy has done 10% or better every year since I've purchased it. This is showing you 6.24%. So these numbers, again, it's not sexy, but it's, it's, so this, what I'm trying to say is this is a conservative look at your growth. 
Um, so the account value is your money. The surrender value is your walk away money. If, if this guy puts a hundred grand in and then at the end of the year says, you know what, I'm out of here. It only did 6%. Give me my money. I'm gone. They're going to write him a check for 57,000. So an ethical professional will tell you that a life insurance contract is not a get rich quick scheme. If you cannot set your budget and sign up and stick to it, with with the absolute ability to reduce or change your premiums later all that's still there but really mentally you need to be prepared life insurance is not good for get rich quick is is what i'm saying there so that's the difference there's just a charge they put on there you you would see here if i hadn't pulled this lump sum out of here th these would be the same after 10 years um and i'll show you those here in a second but Really what we care about here is if this guy dies on day one, he puts $100,000 in, the insurance company, God forbid he dies, is gonna write a check for $1.3 million to his wife and two kids. Now they can pay off the mortgage, right? I mean, this guy's got so much passive income, they don't really care about the death benefit. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Um, but so he goes, look, dude, I wanna put money in and take it back out and leverage it later and use it for real estate but I don't want to like pay taxes and I want that tax free treatment and all this kind of stuff. So I said, okay, cool. Well, I ran the calculation using the, the software. He puts in a hundred thousand a year for five years in year number six, he comes along and says, you know what, give me a tax free tax free policy loan of $505,000. Now I get it. A hundred thousand for five years on 505 doesn't seem like a real great rate of return. I will tell you this, if the stock market went down during any one of these big years, this might seem like a phenomenal rate of return, <laughs> right? Warren Buffett said return of principle, not return on principle, but okay, even set that aside. Now his plan is to take that $500,000 loan, go do another real estate deal, probably a larger one, but what he's gonna get in addition is the remainder of that surrender value is gonna continue to grow capturing those market index credits it's going to drive up his surrender value he can take more loans out at any time or what will most likely happen for somebody with that size of a portfolio is he will probably just live long and prosper and let's just cut him off at age 83 and say sorry you had a nice life he's going to pass away and leave his family four million tax-free dollars to do things like pay estate taxes so his family, his kids and grandkids don't have to sell all those investment properties, right? Uncle Sam can come in and demand a whole bunch of money from his family, from his estate, from his spousal estate, and they can pay it out of this tax-free death benefit. All right. So you look, so this guy you're talking about when it comes to kind of an optimal time for him to pull out is about five years? Would be the No, I mean, it's funny you ask that. With a guy like this, I told him, I was like, look, dude, you probably literally will never touch this. You'll probably do a hundred grand for five years and leave it. Because for a guy with his size of real estate portfolio, I mean, maybe he takes it out maybe he doesn't. I honestly suspect like if, if I reran this and I, and I took this loan away and just made this over here grow, he, he would he would eventually just have a death benefit of like 15 million dollars and that's essentially and i mean that's the real that level of wealth in this country that's what happens a lot is he he's all hot to try to do a five hundred thousand dollar deal now but in five years he's probably going to have well, i mean what two million dollars of passive income what does he care about his 500 grand 
<laughs> that's a that's a good world. So so if an average person, let's say in your situation, when you're putting in a thousand dollars a month, and then you um, had that, it took you you know twelve thousand dollars a year, but you can't pull that all out day one to use for a real estate deal, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And again, it's not the it's not the best sales pitch, but I'll tell you. For people to, to who work hard for their money, who have families, I spent my whole life. I was in the Marines. I was a police officer. I didn't wake up every day and go help people to turn around and hose them on insurance, <laughs> right? So that so that's what I that's just what I'm saying is like, look, this right here is a more typical plan, right? Not everybody is guy with 100 grand a year. We know this, but I've met many many people who've worked with rent to retirement, and now they've got a couple of turnkeys in Florida. And each one of those turnkeys is kicking off 500 bucks a month. And they come to me and they go, well, Chris, you know, I'm, I'm working my day job and that pays the bills. And now I've got this thousand bucks a month and a thousand a month. I mean, are you really going to sock that away in a Chase bank account for 20, you know, for, for 10 years to get 120 grand for a down payment? Maybe, maybe not. Right. Or are you going to spend it if it's sitting there in your checking account? Probably more likely. <laughs> right. So what we do a lot of times is now we're leveraging because those real estate, they're kicking off free money. Well, let's take a typical 42-year-old who says, okay, yeah, man, I can do a thousand a month. I mean, it's kind of free cash anyways. So this is really um, one of the best features of this type of policy is you start putting this money in, it's going to grow up here. For me, it's my set it and forget it. During the COVID downturn, when my solo 401k puked, you know, I knew that I was going to make it to a million dollars. Um, so what, what is pretty typical is if you can, you can solve for this income stream. So if, the, if that 42 year old signed up for a thousand a month and stuck with it for 25 years, this policy would turn around and pay him $90,000 tax free every single year until he dies because insurance companies are experts at annuitizing your money and giving it back to you. So what they're doing is they're looking at this big number over here, 700 or $641,000. They're annuitizing this number and then they're paying this income back to you for life. Yeah. Now, did they all start paying you the annuities whenever you get to 65, 66 years old, somewhere in that range? They do not. I should, have, I should have gotten out ahead of this. These illustrations, all these things that we look at are hypotheticals. They're run, they're run based on our inputs. What would happen is, so like for instance, same, same age, same premium. Let's just say he got to age 65 and was like, whatever. I don't need the 90 grand a year because I built out my real estate portfolio. And you know what? At that point, a thousand bucks a month doesn't really bother him. And they say, you know what? I just want to drive up this death benefit as far as I can. So here's taking no loans out. And again, you'll see what, what you see is here at that 641 mark. It doesn't start going down. Everything just keeps going up. So like, could a, could a 75 year old take a million dollars out of here and buy his grandkids a whole bunch of real estate or send them to Harvard or send them to essentially what will probably be one semester of community college? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, this cash is always available. It's available here in year six. It's available here in years 25. It, it just, it's, it's that flexible piece that you can go to that bucket and dip into it if something comes up and you want to do something with it. Or 
the older I get and the more other assets I have, like I'm, I never really wanted to leave my family. Life insurance is like a death benefit. Cause I, I frankly think I could do more with that money in the real estate, but I'll tell you what, I, I can't guarantee you that I could do more with a thousand a month. Whereas if I put a thousand a month into this thing, it's almost guaranteed you're going to leave your family that whole bunch of money. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody would be happy living. What is that? $2.7 million for uh, their family for a thousand dollars a month. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. So just take, you know, just think about it as this, as you're building your portfolio, you could take two to three properties a year and just put, you know, maybe two, two to three properties a year. You take their cash flow, you put it into your life insurance. And then next thing you know, you've got $2.7 million to uh, share amongst the, the family whenever you pass. So right. it's not a, not a bad deal, but Chris, I want to wrap it there for today because uh, I don't want to go 40 minutes. Right? If anyone's still listening, you got some, <laughs> I don't want to overwhelm too much, but yeah. I want to, I want to keep doing this because as I told you before we started, I've heard, I've talked to insurance agents and I, I kind of understand it, but there's still some things and it's very in-depth thing. So I want to kind of break it down into chunks. So we'll have you back on uh, maybe next month to talk a little bit more about it. I appreciate your time. People, sure. if you want to get a hold of Chris, go to rentretirement.com, click on the about us, and you can schedule a call with him right there and get on his schedule. Even, uh, you know, just get all the info from him you can, and he will help you through it. Great guy. Really appreciate your time. To everybody else, go to Rent to Retirement. You can reach out to us there if you're looking for properties. If you need uh, any team member, Chris included, you can reach out to us through there. If you want our pro formas sent to you via PDF uh, on your phone, you can go to renttoretirement.com slash hotlist. You can get everything there. I appreciate you all listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Rent to Retirement podcast, your number one resource for wealth building, real estate investing, and stress-free retirement strategies. Continue your real estate education and invest with us at renttoretirement.com.